This is Self Startup. Welcome to Self Startup Season 2. This is a podcast that highlights the small business owners, the self employed, and freelancers who've taken the plunge to create their own desirable lifestyle. My name is Andy Dowling. I'm also the host of the Andy Social Podcast, and I play bass in the Australian metal band Lord. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching at Andy Dowling, or you can go to selfstarter.com.au where you can learn more about yours truly, as well as anything and everything to do with the self-employment world. This episode is with Jennifer Marshall of Social Hair Co. in Wollongong, and she's someone who knows what it takes to build loyalty and success in an often competitive industry. Jennifer relocated from Sydney down to the Gong with her husband and started working out of her home to initially service family and friends. However, it wasn't long before an opportunity opened up to buy space in the heart of Wollongong where Jennifer could take her business to the next level. It certainly hasn't been smooth sailing along the way. After her husband's employment status changed, Jennifer needed to up the ante, so to speak, and create more income than ever before to sustain not only the business but also their livelihoods. Luckily, though, Jennifer was already an active person within the hairdressing community, and after receiving advice and doing her own research online, she was able to find a business coach slash mentor who could maximize the business opportunities and find the success which Jen and Social Hair Co. deserved. Now, business coaches are often viewed with a sense of skepticism. There are many people out there claiming to have the expertise but don't often deliver anything apart from a hefty bill. Jennifer certainly experienced some of this as she did her own research and reached out to a number of different people advertising their services. However, through utter grit and determination, was able to eventually find the right person to suit her needs. Jennifer says that while it does cost money, it's an important investment that is worth it and at the time was completely necessary. These days, Jennifer still uses business coaches and has actually moved on to a new person who's more in line with the current state of the business as those goals and objectives change. Jennifer has built a solid reputation in the area by delivering a high level of customer service through conversation, direct customer touch points, multimedia marketing, and putting her own personality into what she does. To learn more about Social Hair Co., you can find them on Facebook by searching Social Hair Co. You can also check out the show notes or visit selfstarter.com.au. And I must say a massive thank you to Volky. Uh, you can check out Volky by going to volky.com.au or searching for Volky on Instagram. That's Volky1, who actually recommended Jen for the podcast. So thank you so much, mate. Really appreciate it. So here we go, folks. Please enjoy this great conversation with Jennifer Marshall of Social Hair Co. in Wollongong. My name's Jen, and I'm the owner of Social Hair Co. in Wollongong, um, and we are a full hair salon. Awesome. And how long has the business been up and running for? So I've owned the salon now for three years. Excellent. And what were you doing beforehand? So I actually moved to the Illawarra about three years ago as well. Um, prior to that, I was working from home hairdressing, and I also had a very menial office job just to keep the bills afloat. And, and was it a case that um, obviously having it on the side that you had plans to sort of go down this path for quite some time and you were just gradually building up towards it? I think um, it was kind of, I never intended to have a salon. I always thought that I'd work for myself. I always thought that I'd have it quite small scaled. And then when we moved to the Illawarra, like we moved here in February and I bought a salon by March. So okay. it was kind of unexpected, but also the best thing I've done. And I mean, how did how did that all come to be? Was it just a, a case of just 
you know, just an opportunity came up and you're flicking through real estate and you saw an opportunity or how did that all come to be? So it was actually my partner was looking for some franchise options when, you know, he came down here and he's a um, gardener. So he was looking at some franchise opportunities in the Illawarra and he's seen an ad for a salon for sale. And he kind of just said, you could do that. And I was like, yeah, you know what, I probably could. Um, and then two weeks later, I paid the deposit. Two weeks after that, I was in there. Um, you know, for a lot of people, it's it's quite a scary thing to make that make that step. And for a lot of people, they oh, put, yeah. put it off for quite some time. It just never quite happens. But for you, it's just, it's like the snap of the fingers and, and you're you're up and running and, you, and you're just going for it. Yeah, absolutely. don't think it's the, I don't think there's any right or wrong way to starting a business. Um, I think for me, I'm just a say yes to an opportunity and hope for the best, but it took a lot of learning really, really quickly. Um, so I, I guess sort of touching on that, what sort of things did you have to face that you weren't expecting uh, when you sort of kicked off and, and started this next big chapter? I think what I didn't expect was uh, just because you have a commercial premise doesn't mean you're going to get clients in your door. Mm. Um, so I think that that was the first learning curve. I think I started straight away with an apprentice um, just to help me out so I wasn't in the salon by myself. And I think just that pressure of making sure that I could keep an employment opportunity going, that was really hard too, just like watching the money coming in and making sure that I always prioritised her pay over my own, that was quite daunting. And I think I didn't really understand numbers. I didn't know what I was supposed to be following on and I didn't know what was good and what was bad. Um, so all I knew was money was coming in. That was good. Didn't really see where it was going on the other end, though. It's a scary thing having responsibility over somebody else. Like if you're if you're employed on your own and you're only sort of uh, covering your own costs, then it's one thing. But as soon as you start getting uh, other people under, under your business and you're paying them, then uh, the responsibilities increase tenfold. Yeah, absolutely. And that's probably one of the hardest things I dealt with. And I'd never had an employee before. So there's a couple of firsts, you know, in my first week, you know, first week of trade, first week being a salon owner, first week having an employee. It was a lot to take on. And you mentioned before that you were doing uh, some salon work at home, like just basing yourself yep. out of home. So you, you obviously had the expertise and some skill and some background in it all and that existing interest in it all to, to obviously take that next step. Um, but to get people into your salon, this, this bricks and mortar uh, place that you've now uh, got up and running, how did, how did you get people in there? And did you have an existing sort of network of people that already came to you when you were based at home? Yep, so my existing network, they were more friends and family, um, but being that they were in Sydney, they were an hour and a half away from the salon. Mm. So a few of them still to this day actually make the travel and come and see me. I've been seeing one particular client for 11 years now. Wow. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, but yeah, in the start, I had a few friends and family willing to come in and support us and just try and do their part. Aside from that, it was just getting our name out there, probably tried some really old faithful tactics that I remembered from my apprenticeship days, you know, standing out in front of the salon, saying hello to people looking past, handing out business cards. And then I really realized the full potential of Facebook marketing. And what sort of things did you, um, from that Facebook marketing point of view, what sort of tactics or, or approaches did you take? So I think I've tried and tested probably every approach. <laughs> um, in, the, in the beginning, I was really hell-bent on, I'm just going to put promotions out and people are going to see a promotion and they're going to go, yes, that's what I want. And that brought in, it brought in clients. 
didn't bring in my long-term clients, but it absolutely filled the books for each week. Then I kind of realized that people wanted to see more personal sort of stuff, so what we actually can do rather than try and always sell to them. So now I find that it's really nice just to showcase our work and let people make their own decisions. Yeah, I think um, I've seen that as a common theme with a lot of businesses these days, these days where they take that um, softer approach with just getting awareness out there rather than the hard sell. Yep. And I've noticed on your That's Facebook right. page, you've got all your videos on there, which are quite informative and you're getting quite a few views as well. Yeah, I think people um, definitely like videos. I wish that we were perhaps a little bit more skilled in making videos, and that's something that this year we've actually reached out to some university students um, who are doing film and um, studio studies that are going to come in and give us kind of like a crash course on how to do lighting and how to do little videos. I guess a big thing that people uh, hesitate on with, with especially video content is they want everything to be perfect straight away. And um, from yeah. your point of view, I guess you sort of just dived in and just got started with it, which I think even, as you said, like you're going to be the your biggest critic and you obviously can see yeah. areas of improvement, but it's obviously working and it's something that, it's a formula that makes sense and it's obviously bringing you some attention and some uh, business um, from it. So it's obviously already starting to go in the right direction. I think so, and I think people, it feels more real when people see our mistakes as well. So I've tried to do an email marketing list, and I remember the first one that I sent out, I don't know how it happened, but I managed to send an email for my personal email address instead, <laughs> and it went to everyone three times. Oh. And I was like, okay, so I sent another one, I said, look, I'm really sorry, I'm absolutely a hairdresser, absolutely not a marketing guru, um, and I tried to send it again, and the same thing happened. Another three emails to my whole list. <laughs> By the end of it, I just sent out another one saying, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> and did you get any responses from anybody? Yeah, constant. They were laughing. People ended up calling saying, oh, I just got your email, but it reminded me I needed an appointment. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'm glad it's working. I'm really sorry that I scammed you. I don't know why that's happening. Oh, I, I think it's it's probably worked out really well for you because I mean, as as you said, it's 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 that genuine aspect. It's it's you, it's your personality, and I think when you get this very slick, um, well crafted promotional email that comes through, it's really hard to sort of take notice of that because there's no personality attached to it, and it it looks right. it looks great, it's impressive, but it's not it's not enough to get your attention and really keep you there keep you there so the fact that you sort of made these mistakes along the way is probably like this great uh you know marketing strategy that you they haven't realized that you've done but it's um it's cut through the noise and, and people have paid attention and they've discovered that you know you're you're human like everybody else and they can relate to you and and uh, that's obviously bringing a lot of loyalty and and people that want to connect and continue to come to you for for uh you know for further appointments and I think the people that received, um, you know, our email marketing that was obviously filled with mistakes, they were replying with, oh, my God, let me guess, Jen wrote this. <laughs> like, it, it was just, they knew. Like, they they recognized that that's exactly what we're like. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I think it does. Exactly like you said, it absolutely builds the um, the culture I'm trying to create and so on anyway. When... I know this happened really quickly, and, and I know that you've sort of been in the hairdressing world for quite a few years leading up to it, but moving moving away and moving down the coast um, and yep. this quick transition of, of getting your own salon and everything like that, I mean, what sort of planning did you have to take or, or the both of you had to take to be able to take that next step? You know, what, what sort of things, even financially or, or just to sort of plan ahead to sort of assess what you're about to do? So I think what we were reliant on was 
that when we came down here that Andrew, my partner, would be well and truly in charge of the home finances, just so I could focus on running the salon. So I've always been a little bit business-minded and I've always been quite um, quite safe when it comes to money. Um, I was actually actually able to break even at the three-month mark Excellent. and by about three and a half months, I was turning my first profits. Fantastic. So... That was fortunate, uh, but at the four-month mark, my partner lost his job down here. So that threw a massive spanner in the works because all of a sudden I had to realize that even though I started turning a profit, it was quite minuscule, quite small. Somehow needed to pretty much quadruple that profit to cover the cost at home as well, and that had to happen quite quickly. And what sort of things did you sort of consider or take, uh, you know, sort of think about as far as what you needed to do to try and dramatically increase your revenue? So in that moment, there was a lot of panic and fear and I wasn't quite sure what to do. And that's when I realized there was business coaching available, there's business mentorship. Mm. So I actually reached out to a salon-specific business mentor, um, told her my situation, told her all my problems, could you help me? And she said, absolutely. If you jump on board with the program, you follow exactly what I said, we can get you out of here. And she was very true to her work. Within a couple of months, everything was on track and just basically watched the business scale from there. That's, um, that's, that's really fascinating because there's a lot of, I mean, if anybody that's got a Facebook account, um, after a while yep. starts to see, uh, you know, coaches, business mentors, yep. all this sort of stuff pop up into their Facebook feed. And, yep. and a lot of, there's a lot of charlatans out there, but there's a lot of good people doing amazing work out there. And I mean, yep, what, absolutely. what for you, I mean, was it a recommendation from somebody else that suggested to go down this path or had you seen it somewhere? What sort of sparked it? Obviously the, the panic and the frustration of, you know, need to make a big change, but how did, how did you yep. sort of make that decision to go down that path? So uh, fortunately enough, the hairdressing community, particularly for salon owners, has a really um, really supportive group on Facebook. There's over 10,000 members in there. Wow. So it's quite quick. Put in a question, who do you recommend? And a few people popped up repeatedly. Um, I called the first woman, had a chat with her for about two hours on the phone. By the end of the conversation, she wanted $18,000 up front, um, which was, you know, when you kind of don't have any money, I'm like, I don't, I can't. And she said, well, you need to get a loan. And if you pay me this money, I can guarantee to triple your income. And I was like, oh, look, my heart was bumping through my chest at that moment. I can't do that. Mm. So I realized she was not the one for me. Um, second conversation, spoke to a bloke, same sort of deal. He told me, actually, based on your circumstances, I can't help you. Um, you're not earning enough money to join my program. Well. So I'm like, okay, at least he was honest. Yeah. <laughs> and then the third person I spoke to, she's like, I've been where you were before. This is what I can do for you. This is a weekly payment. Yes, it's some money that you're going to have to take out of your profits at the moment, but I promise you results. And I thought, you know what? Sounded safe. I got a really good connection with her. I felt really open to discuss very personal things with her. Um, and yeah, went, went with her. It's, it's really exciting to hear that there are people out there that can really make a big difference. And I think also yeah. dispelling the myths that not everybody out there is asking for mega dollars straight up front as well to commit to something that you just don't, there's a, there's a great unknown behind it. Oh, I was just going to say, I think my advice to anyone that's looking for a coach is speak to as many as possible. Mm. I spoke to about six people before I committed. Um, and I think that that was really important because they will offer you different things. I'm actually working with my third coach now. Wow. So I kind of outgrew each coach as I've gone along. So I think there's some, yeah, really great help out there. You just got to, 
sort of bite the bullet and take it. So you're paying for these services and obviously you're getting yeah. a lot of great knowledge, great expertise and things that are just accelerating your business. But without digging in and revealing all the secrets, I mean, what, what are some of the sort of the big lessons that you've learned um, after taking these steps and getting sort of mentorship and some, some expertise from a, from a coach? Is, is there any sort of big overarching sort of lessons that you've learned? Yeah, absolutely. And I think they've been quite specific to each coach I've had throughout different periods of the business. The first coach, um, I learned how to systemize a business. Um, and I suppose that information is transferable across any industry. Mm. So actually having really good systems and policies and procedures in place, just streamline the way things are run. Um, and then it just kind of, with those systems, and you've got better client journeys. So everyone is seen the same way in my salon now. So they're all feel comfortable enough to move across to any staff members because we all treat them the same. We all act the same. Um, I think that was really important. Learning my numbers was another one. So actually learning how to price the profit, mm. how to really, really break down every single cost and work out how much you have to charge rather than trying to charge what the salon two minutes up the road is charging. Right. That was a really important lesson. And then the last one was just having better marketing communications with people. So that was where I learned that people don't want to see promotions in their face all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, that goes back to what you were saying before about just providing information rather than just uh, you know a sale or a campaign or something like that. It's just more, here's some inf information, some informative content that people can become interested in and then in turn softly sort of be introduced to your business. That's right. I remember that coach particularly told me, she goes, if people aren't uh, engaging with your content or they're not buying what you're trying to sell them, they just don't like it. And that was something I was like, you know what? She's right. <laughs> you mentioned before about... Uh, getting better with your, your video content and, and uh, investing yep. a bit more in that. But what, what are some of the other things that you're looking to do sort of going into the rest of the year? And, and what are some of the challenges that you got at the moment being, you know, still fairly fresh into the whole thing? So what we really have tried to create in the salon, the reason why it's called Social Hair Co, so really trying to create um, a, kind of like a small community where people can feel really comfortable in our salon. So where we can engage people to have conversations together one thing that I've noticed with the rise of social media, perhaps we're not having that face-to-face -face time anymore. Mm. And I really do feel like a salon is probably one of the last places where you are putting those close quarters to chat with someone. Um, so I'm really trying to work on that. So part of our social media, I would love to make videos, even just like small clips of what it's actually like in our salon. So the way we are on an evening, like, you know, people have their hair colors on and they're having a chat with each other. Want people to see that, um, and I think the challenges that go along with that is just, you know, how do I create that content when I'm doing someone's hair? What sort of things do you have in mind to sort of encourage that social environment? You know, when you when you go in, if you can manage to get people through the door, what sort of things yep. do you sort of keep in mind to sort of really encourage that communication and that social thing that you're you're passionate about, and which obviously ties into the name of the business. Yep, so what we like to do is we like to keep open communication. So we like to actually have a chat with our clients once we've decided what we're doing with the hair, of course. That's mm. always number one. <laughs> um, but we like to leave it open and just let them draw out the conversation. So we might ask um, questions that require an answer just to get a feel for that particular client. We can usually pick up on social cues quite quickly. So some people are quite willing to share and we love that. 
I've got some people that don't want to give away too much, and I love that too. Usually by their second or third appointment, we start hearing about their whole life, and I love it. <laughs> um, I think what's really important is I remember every client that's ever been in my salon. I remember their stories. I'm deeply invested with a lot of their stories too, and uh, it's kind of like waiting for your next episode of a TV series. Uh, I bet you've got, I bet you've got a, a, a book worth of, of stories there just from uh, the people that come in on a daily basis. Absolutely. I think we're hairdressers, but we're also partially counsellors. So. I can imagine, absolutely. And I mean, even just, I mean, the fact that, you, and you mentioned just to remember people's names as they come in, it's sort of like a more intense version of uh, a barista, um, you know, with, yep. with coffee coming in and getting your coffee every morning and people remembering names and, and what coffee they like. You can come in, you know yep. what you know what they, they need, but you also remember their story and, and everything attached to them. And, and it's a real skill to have. I mean, it's something that takes... Uh, it takes a yeah, it takes a high level of skill to be able to remember everybody and, and forge those relationships. I think it can be quite easily done if you are genuine about it though. So it's not forced, it's not a forced habit. As you said with the barista, like they don't they don't have to learn your name in your coffee order. But it's nice if they do. And I think for me it's like we genuinely um, love our clients and we genuinely enjoy their stories. So it was very easy to remember them all. And you know, we get we get to be a part of they're really important events in their lives, you know, their weddings, their childbirth, their, all of that sort of stuff where we're very involved and it's, it's nice. Do you have anything that you have in place to sort of retain people? Obviously the experience that when people come in for that first time, that's sort of a big yeah. point of difference for you to get people to come back in. But are there other things that you keep in mind to sort of encourage people to come back to you for that second, third, fourth, et cetera, appointment? Absolutely. I think retention is um, a really good topic. So it's all well and great to get people in the salon, but it's kind of like filling a bathtub without a plug. Mm. So if you're not retaining people, then it's just, it's, you know, it's so hard to just keep bringing new people in. Um, we have a couple of methods. So we follow up after a client's first appointment with us. We reach out. How was your hair? Very casual. It's sent personally from our mobile phone in the salon, and it's sent from whoever done your hair. They will pick up the phone and personally message that client. Um, we chose message because it's less invasive than a phone call. Yeah. Um, they can reply in their own time. Uh, most people text message, so I thought that was a great way. Definitely. We reach out to clients that we consider as missed as well. So if they haven't been to us in about four months, they've probably gone somewhere else or they're very desperate to have their hair done. <laughs> <laughs> so we reach out to them. Make sure that, of course, there is social recovery. Make sure there was nothing wrong with their previous service that I can't possibly fix. Um see if we can get them back in the salon. We invite them back. I think just asking the question, we'd love you to be back in our salon. What can we do to make that happen? Um, yeah, just keep up conversation. Sometimes we reach out to people that haven't even had their service done with us. We just say, notice we made, you made an inquiry. Did you ever get that done or are you still looking? That's great. And um, I think part of, a big thing with a lot of this stuff and retention is, is um, you know encouraging people to interact with you in your business and and obviously the Facebook yeah. stuff and and Instagram as well having that sort of uh, social media presence is a is a big thing to sort of keep people engaged and and familiar with what you're doing so it's sort of almost like you've got the text message which is fantastic and I think it's such a great idea to have a text based follow up rather than a phone call because you're really yeah. feeding into into the behaviour that we we sort of 
expect these days. Um, yep. But to to have like a Facebook post or an Instagram post that pops up in somebody's feed every once in a while, it's almost like a, an indirect and a very soft follow-up where it's almost like, guys, we're still here. Remember us? And yeah, you might be due for an appointment and it might be just enough for someone to go, yep. oh, that's right. I've, I've, got to, I've got to call up and book myself in. I think you're absolutely right. I think um, using social media is just a little reminder service, if, if you will, is always good. Um, and then, of course, you know, trying to encourage people to rebook at the time of their service is ideal, um, especially for, you know, for myself. My appointment books have been closed for quite some time now just because I've got um, such a large client base. That's excellent. That's so it can be quite difficult if you don't rebook to get that opportunity to book back in with myself. And clients understand that. They're happy to see the other girls. That's not a problem. But that's why we encourage rebooking so that we can build ourselves up so we know how best to service our clients for the future. And one thing I noticed on your Facebook page is that you've got quite a few reviews and recommendations on there. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of businesses struggle to get people to – to, to make the effort to click a few buttons and tap away on their phones or on their keyboard to leave a review, but you've managed to be able to get yep. a few people. Have you have you made a, a conscious effort to try and ask people or put a call to action out there for people to actually leave a review, or has it just sort of happened on its own? It's actually happened on its own. We've never asked um, anyone to leave us a review, which was surprising when it was just kind of organically happening. Um, yeah, we kind of just leave that open. I think that's how reviews should be both negative and positive reviews should be free-flowing and at the client's discretion. Um, so, yeah, we've never actually asked, but it's fantastic when our clients leave us reviews and I always then personally send them a message of thank you. Um, you know, a review, a review is worth so much. That's excellent. And have you got a strategy in place to deal with some of the more critical or negative reviews that, that might pop up every once in a while? Yeah, so we do have those strategies in place. So if they were to occur, what we would do first. Uh, fortunately enough, we haven't actually received any negative review um, published on our Facebook, but that's not to say we haven't had clients call and say, look, I wasn't quite happy with my colour or whatever, but we do have a strategy in place. So the first thing we do is, of course, invite them back to the salon. Start us for that. doesn't matter what the problem is. Get them in the chair. Let's see what the problem is. We can resolve at least 99% of what the problem um, so we get them back in the chair and within a week it's an absolute way charge to them redo. Outside of that week we have to start seeing if it was, you know, a cause or effect, so was it something that we've done or is it an effect since you've been at home because perhaps you didn't follow prescriptions and those kinds of things. But we're pretty lenient, pretty flexible. Uh, yeah, I think you, I think you sort of have to be when it comes to you know trying to fix a uh, a complaint or a problem that a customer might have. You just got to sort of roll with it and and just try to be as uh, as easy as possible with a customer who's already sort of I guess a little bit potentially agitated or just uncomfortable with raising a yeah. concern in the first place. So you want to make it as as uh, as easy as possible for them. And I think that's why, you know, when we send that follow-up, it just, it breaks the ice. So mm. if there was a problem, well, we've already stepped out, so you are more than welcome to reply with, actually, I didn't quite love the time or a little bit of a problem here. Come back in. Let's fix it before it is a problem. Yeah, the proactive approach. Yeah, I think that's a better way to do it. And I can understand for a client, it must be very nerve-wracking to come back in for that redo. Mm. So we just go above and beyond to make sure that they don't feel that way because it really is no problem to us. Um, and we always ask, of course, do you feel comfortable coming back and having it redone? Because maybe they don't. 
Jen, I'm really impressed with what you've done in such a short space of time. And, uh, and just, I mean, the fact that you invested in a business coach as well and went down that path, which a lot of people would be quite scared to do just because of, I guess, the yeah. mess around investment and the cost involved. But um, I think just listening to the way that you explained it, you know, you're in a position where you and your partner, your backs were against the wall, so to speak, and you had to make a big decision and, uh, and you've, you've gone ahead and done it. And it's obviously paid off and, and it's doing amazing things. So it's um, just fantastic to see what you've done so far and, and what you continue to do. No, I think you're right. I think um, for a lot of people, sometimes it's not until you're backed up against a wall that you have to make those big decisions. But I think it's kind of a leap of faith as well. If you get the right vibe from that coach, go for it. It's invaluable knowledge. Um, people are very sceptical. I get people tell me all the time, I can't believe you're paying that kind of money. I can't believe you're wasting your money on this. I understand that there's a waste. Not once. Well, Jen, how can, uh, how can people get in contact with you and, uh, and come and have a sticky beak at the salon? Yeah, so you can reach us on Facebook at Social Hair Co. You can also reach us out on Instagram with the same handle, Social Hair Co. Or simply walk by, come in. We're always ready to have you in for a complimentary consult, cup of coffee. We're on Campbell Street, right next to the Quest Hotel in Wollongong. Fantastic. And I'll put a whole bunch of stuff in the show notes so people can have a sticky beak at some photos and obviously click through on the links and uh, connect with you and, and the business. But um, Jen, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Wonderful. Thank you for having me on. This was really great. To learn more about Jennifer from Social Hair Co., you can click through to your show notes via your preferred podcast player or you can go to selfstarter.com.au where you'll find more details from our guest as well as my key takeaways. Number one, give video a shot. We all have mini filmmaking tools in our pockets, so let's start using them. Smartphones these days are getting better and better when it comes to capturing video. There are also countless numbers of low cost and even free editing tools, so don't worry about being perfect or making it world class. Just get filming, capture you and your message and work to improve as you go. Jen has plans to invest more in this area and improve the quality of their video content, but has not let that slow her down in producing content with what skills she already has. Just get started. Number two, where your mistakes. Jen shared a story about an email mailing list debacle that had her apologizing to her clientele and community. Now, many people would curl up in a ball and be reluctant to continue to communicate after such a mistake. However, Jen took it in her stride and injected some humor into her mistake. The silver lining is that people actually enjoyed the lighthearted approach that she took, and it could also be argued that it brought her and her customers closer together by showing an honest side to Jen and her personality. So don't be afraid to admit fault. None of us are perfect. And if you can wear your mistakes and do it with a bit of fun and sincerity, then people will be far more forgiving and appreciate you far more. Number three, business mentors. There are lots of charlatans out there, so be wary. And unfortunately, there appears to be more negative noise out there than positive when it comes to coaches and mentors. Jennifer, however, shows that there are some great ones out there who can make a significant difference to what you do. Like anything in life, you don't get something for nothing. So ensure that you're budgeting appropriately so that you can seriously consider bringing in some expertise who can consult and coach when you need it. It is an expense, but with that right research and the right goals in mind, it's an expense that could ultimately be a large investment for you and what you're doing. Number four, the community. 
We've seen this before, we're going to see it again. However, tapping into communities within your industry is a fantastic way to share best practices, air concerns, seek reassurance and advice to ensure that you're on the right path. Always be careful, however, of the old echo chambers, as some industries can be quite insular in the way that they discuss, think and move forward. However, having a constant link to communities of people doing similar work to you is a great way to keep connected and ensure that you have appropriate support when needed. Number five, the follow-up SMS. We hate to admit it, but many of us will shy away from talking on the phone these days. And preferences around instant messaging, social media and text means that many of us feel a slight bit of anxiety when it comes to talking on the phone. Now, there might be a few larger social problems with these changes in human behavior. However, Jennifer is ensuring that her methods of communication are relevant to people's preferences. Jen has an SMS follow-up service rather than a phone call to tap back into existing clients. The conversion results and feedback from clients so far is showing that this method works. Having that awareness of customer behavior or even individual customer preference can play a massive part in driving retention. And that's it. To learn more about this episode and previous ones, check out selfstarter.com.au. If you want to have a squiz at my other podcast, the Andy Social Podcast or my band Lord or anything else that's happening in my world, you can go over to andydowling.net. Really looking forward to having you back for the next episode of Self Starter. Larry. Larry, please.